Uh, because uh, we're going to be talking about the great gift uh, that God has given to us, uh, and that gift is Jesus. And we're going to be looking at uh, the most popular verse uh, in all of the Bible today. So if you've got a Bible with you, or your phone handy, or whatever you like to use, uh, we're going to be in John 3.16. But before we dive into that, I'll give you a chance to get there. I've been thinking a lot about this passage, and of course it's Christmas, and so gifts are a key part of Christmas season. And some of you have already been to some Christmas parties. I've been to a couple already. Uh, Our students have theirs tonight. There's several this week. And and, and our kids have theirs as well tonight, our fifth and sixth graders. And and a lot of those parties, you, you have a white elephant gift exchange, And that's been a long uh, sort of standing tradition where you get all kinds of things. But uh, what you may not know is the origin of that. Well, I discovered the origin uh, of it. Uh, I kind of did a little research uh, last week. And then this week on the radio, I heard it three different times. Like, you copycats. Um, Because I thought of it first to look at this this week. But this on the screen is the flag of the kingdom of Siam, which is now named Thailand, uh, the kingdom of Siam in the 1850s all the way to about 1916. That was their flag. What do you notice about that flag? there's There's a big red spot and a giant white elephant in the middle of it. Well, the king of Siam was a cunning man. He uh, was ruthless. And so, In his desire to remain in power and to remain sort of supreme overall, what he would do was he would give rare albino elephants, the real kind that live, he would give rare white albino elephants to those people who displeased him. Like that's kind of a weird gift. Yes, it is. Because these albino elephants were considered sacred in the kingdom of Siam, and so they could not work. They could not be put to work. And so what these recipients of the gift had was a giant white elephant as a pet. And if you have a pet today, we have numerous pets. Pets are what? Expensive, yes, is the right answer. There's only one answer. Pets are expensive. And as you might imagine, a giant white elephant is very expensive. And the goal of the king was to put that person in financial ruin by giving him or her a white elephant. So now you know the origin of white elephant. Now you, uh, thankfully, probably have never received a real white elephant uh, as a gift. And be thankful because you couldn't afford it. But you've probably gotten a toilet seat or a photo of some random person. Or my favorite that I gave was a VHS tape. Some of you know what that is. A VHS tape. It was a promotional video for the 1988 Chevy Suburban. (laughs) The Texas Cadillac. That was the Texas Cadillac back then. And so... uh, So whatever you get this season for your white elephant gift at your party, be thankful that it's not a real white elephant uh, because that gift uh, would be challenging for you uh, and your family. But there is a gift uh, that is important. 
there is a great gift, and, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the gift of Jesus uh, this morning as we think about those things that, that are valuable to us. Uh, the one person who is of greatest value to all of us is Jesus and God sent him as a gift to you and me. So let's look at John 3, 16 through 21. We're going to read that paragraph in the book of John, and it begins this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his <clears throat> works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. God's gift to us, Jesus, very simply. God's gift to us is Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ. He's the Savior. God gave his one and only son to us. What a great gift that is to not even want to spare your only son to give so that all of humanity would experience eternal life. That God didn't even spare his own son. Paul repeats that idea in Romans chapter 8. But as you and I think about this verse, right, the, the John 3.16, uh, we see it not so much anymore, but oftentimes you'd see it at football games or big events. Somebody would get a big poster board and write John 3.16 on it, and they would be behind the goalpost or in the corner of the end zone where they knew the camera would go trying to promote that God loves the world and gave his only son Jesus. But as you and I think about this event that God gave his one and only son, do you realize that this is a non-repeatable event? God giving us the gift of Jesus is a non-repeatable event. He gave his one and only son, the only begotten, for all those using an older translation. God can't give another son God can't do this again. It's a non-repeatable event that Jesus Christ came, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and resurrected on the third day. It's a non-repeatable event. It's a once and for all event. And the result of this once and for all event is eternal life for you and me. God's gift to us is the perfect Savior, the one and only Savior, the only begotten of God who gives redemption, who offers you and I redemption and hope. 
He offers us an eternity with them. Because even his name, as I shared last week, his name, Jesus, means God is salvation. His whole purpose was to rescue us, to save us from our sin, to deliver us from evil, to give us a new direction and a new hope. He is the one who brings words of life. His disciples even said that. Jesus, where else shall we go? Because you're the one who has the word of life. Only you. No one else. God's gift to us is Jesus. But God is motivated to give that gift because he loves us. His motivation behind sending Jesus is love. God is motivated by his love for us. God's nature is self-giving. Our nature is self-receiving. Because on Saturday... When you're, or Friday night, depending on when your family does gifts, some of you are going to look under the tree and see how many gifts are yours and how many gifts are your siblings or your parents. You're going to compare because we're self-receiving. We call that selfish because that's how we are. I'm the same way. Right? We're all that way. Our nature is selfish. God's nature is selfless. And so he selflessly loves us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us no matter what. Love is who he is. It is his nature. One writer said it this way. He so loved us that for our sake, he was made man in time although through him all times were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He, the Word, capital W, without whom all human eloquence is mute. God's nature is love, and he loves you and me unconditionally, without condition. It's a perfect love. And so it doesn't matter if you've been good today or not. If you were great yesterday or you were horrible, God loves you unconditionally. It doesn't matter what your performance is. It doesn't matter how well you do at work. It doesn't matter what you made on the test. It doesn't matter if you obey or disobey. He loves you unconditionally. Now, he doesn't want you to stay. He doesn't want you to stay in that state of rebellion or disobedience. But he loves you through it. He loves without condition. He loves no matter what. And that's hard for us because we don't love no matter what. We find it hard to love sometimes. We find it difficult to love. But God loves us, and that's why he sent Jesus. And sometimes you hear that first verse there, verse 16, for God so loved the world, we say, for God loved the world so much. It's not so much. It's a degree into which God loves us. He loves us 
beyond what you and I could ever imagine loving. The degree in which God loves us is to give himself instead of us. we We would find it hard to do that. To give ourselves instead of somebody else. Oh no, please kill me instead. That doesn't happen in the movies, hardly. Much less in real life. Only once did it happen. That God exchanged himself for you and me because that's the degree in which he loves us. His love is unimaginable. That he sent his one and only son. And the reason why he did that is to reverse our condition. All the time I I hear people say, why would God want to send people to hell if he loves us so much? Well, John tells us that you're already headed that way. You're condemned already. That's what the passage says. You're condemned already. And God loves you so much that he wants to reverse that condition. He came to rescue you from that path of destruction. And so Jesus comes to grab you and to turn you to a new direction, a direction instead of death, but one of life. So rather than perish, rather than die, rather than experience eternal separation from him, you're now going to be full of life everlasting life, abundant life. And that everlasting life starts right now, this moment. The moment you and I say yes to Jesus, we believe, right? That's all the passage says. Those that believe in him, those that believe in him will have eternal life, everlasting life. That doesn't start some distant time in the future. No, it starts today, right now, the moment. For me, it was February 1985. That was the moment, When my course was changed, my direction was reversed because God gave me a new future and that's why he sent Jesus. His gift gives us a new future. That's what he wants us, to have a new future, a new direction, no condemnation. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he spends an entire chapter We could spend days probably. He spent a chapter saying, here are all the things that I don't want to do, but I do them. These are all the things I don't want to do, but I do them. I call it the doo-doo passage because it's a lot of doo-doo. All these things I don't want to do, but I do them anyway. And then there's this whole other set of things that I long to do, that I want to do, that I know that are right for me to do, and I refuse to do those. So there's things that I shouldn't do that I run towards and I do them anyway out of rebellion. And there are things that I know God desires me to do, and yet I don't. And then the next paragraph, we have a nice chapter break, but when he was writing it, it was just the next paragraph. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I lined all this stuff up, I'm condemned. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm sunk. I missed the mark. I'm condemned already. But Jesus reverses my direction and prevents me from being condemned because of my faith in him. I have a new future because Jesus changed my direction. He sent me from condemnation to life, from death to life, from perishing to eternal life, from darkness, this passage says, to light. That's what Jesus does. Abundant, eternal, everlasting life. That's why our mission as a church 
We as a church, kind of our foundational statement is leading people to experience the fullness of life in Christ. Because our world is full of darkness and our world is full of things that we say will give you a great life and they never do in the long run. We want to exchange that. We want to change the direction of people's lives so they would experience abundant, everlasting life. And we do that by faith, by receiving the gift that God gave us, Jesus. That's how you change your direction. That's how you change your path. That's how you write a new future. It's not because of something you did. No, by faith, by believing that Jesus is the one and only Son of God who came to pay the penalty of your sin, to take on your darkness, so that then you could live in the light. That happens by faith, by believing. Not, not by knowing, oh, I, I know it's true. No, by, by receiving that gift. Uh, last Sunday night, we had a Christmas party here uh, on our campus. Our staff did, and because we're super fancy, it was in our FLC foyer. Um, and it was awesome. No reaction except from our staff. Um, I will say we had dice and poker chips. Okay, a little bit better. Thank you very much. We played left, center, right. Only winners, no money exchanged, okay? Um, but as we were wrapping up that evening, because we were such party animals around 8 o'clock, uh, someone on our staff found a, a box, and it was wrapped, and it had a label on it. And on the label, it said, Pastor David. Huh. Interesting. Well, I wonder if this could be mine. Maybe. I, I also know another Pastor David. He, he's over in Pearland. But maybe this is mine. And so the staff member handed me, she, she said, it's not for me. I said, oh, okay. So I received the gift I opened the gift, and to my surprise, it was a great gift. If you're here next Sunday, you'll see it. Uh, but, but I was amazed. I was thankful. I was grateful. We had a big kick out of it. It was a lot of fun. But my guess is that Christmas gift had been sitting in our FLC for a week. Somebody knew it was there. Somebody knew about the gift. Somebody had actually gone to the store, purchased the gift, wrapped it, and delivered it. But the challenge is that get, gift just sat. And it wasn't until Sunday night around 8 p.m. that that gift was realized and received. And that's what our relationship with Jesus is like. Some of you know the gift exists you know what's out there. You, you've seen John 3.16 or you've heard it or you've been in church enough to know the Christmas story and the Easter story. But the gift just sits there. And you haven't received that gift. The gift of salvation that Jesus offers. That's the gift that God is offering us. That's the gift that he's offering us today. And, and perhaps you may be able to see it a little differently because God's calling us to trust in Jesus Christ, to, to place our faith in him. 
as the Savior, as the one who can reverse my direction, who can keep me from destruction and everlasting separation from him. It's a gift to be received, but it takes faith to do so. I was reading this week about elevators. It's kind of weird, I know. But you've probably ridden an elevator. We have one on our campus over here. Some of you may have ridden it this morning. You know that elevators didn't always have braking systems. They didn't always have braking systems. It wasn't until a guy named Elisha Otis, what a great name, Elisha, a great biblical name. Elisha Otis came along in the 1850s. And, and Elisha didn't invent the elevator, but what he did was invent the braking system for elevators. And so his company exists today, over 150 years later, a lot more than 150 years later. And, and you've probably ridden in an Otis elevator. But in 1854, Otis uh, was having a hard time selling his elevator braking system. And so there was a, an exhibition in New York City called the Crystal Palace Exhibition Center. It was kind of like a mini World's Fair. And so he just decided on that event that he was going to have this giant display, this huge demonstration. And so he got this whole contraption up. He built an elevator and he had his assistant draw the crowd in and he began to make his demonstration and he said, okay, lift me up. So the assistant raised him up and he said, now cut the rope, cut the cable so here is Elisha Otis in an elevator. Back then, they didn't have doors on elevators. They were just kind of an open cabin. Lifts him up, and he cuts the cable. Otis falls, and the braking system holds. Otis sold three elevators that day. And now, just in New York City, there are over 70,000 elevators. His braking system is the reason we have modern skyscrapers. And it's said that in New York City alone, every three days, the world's population goes through those 70,000 elevators. Because of one man who designed a braking system and millions and billions of people having the faith to step into an elevator and trust in a contraption they cannot see and these days you cannot hear you don't even know it exists, but you believe that when you go up 10, 15, 20, if you're here in Friendswood, our skyscraper, the four-story building in town, <laughs> or you go downtown, you believe by faith that an elevator is going to deliver you exactly where it's supposed to. You believe by faith. That's what God is asking us to do this season is to receive the gift of Jesus by faith. That we would believe in him so that our condition would be reversed and we would be put on a new path, a path of purpose to, to be a light to the rest of the world. That's what verse 21 is talking about, that we would be a light to the world that I've received this great gift of God, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, his one and only son. And so now I can be a light to the world. I, I can share that hope and redemption. And what better season to do that than Christmas? Well, there's only one, maybe a better season. That's Easter. So let's, the top two, let's get it done. Be a light in a dark world. 
Because I, by faith, believe that Jesus came to rescue me from my sin, to give me a new purpose, a new hope, a new direction. And now I want to live in the light. I want to be the light of Christ to those around me. Because I know that Jesus coming as Savior was a one-time, non-repeatable event. And now he's counting on you and me to share his message of hope and light and grace to all around us. And so by faith today, if you've never received the gift of Jesus, I want to invite you to do so. If you have a friend or a family member who needs the hope of Christ, they need salvation, I want to invite you in a few minutes to come and pray for them that God would use you, that would use any circumstance to bring that person out of darkness into light because he's the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. Will you pray with me?